Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about the sacrifice of Jesus and the cost of salvation. Whether you like it or not, God has made the way for man to heaven. But it isn't the way man would have made it. He didn't accomplish it by works. He didn't accomplish it through morality or ethics. He did it by sending a son in the likeness of sinful flesh and condemning him as sin on the cross. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Nobody wants to go through betrayal, pain, humility, or abandonment. But those were just a few of the ingredients necessary to cover the cost of our salvation. However, the good news is that God picked up the bill. Let's join Pastor Xavier for today's important study, beginning in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27. I've entitled the message, The Wrath of the Cross. Matthew provides for us the wrath of the cross from three different perspectives from verses 32 to 56. He gives to us the wrath of Rome, verses 32 through 37. The wrath of man, verses 38 through 44. And the wrath of God, verses 45 through 56. The wrath of Rome is seen in verses 32 through 37. Notice that the wrath of Rome first fell upon Simon the Cyrene as they compel him to bear the cross of Jesus in verse 32. There are no just-so-happens in the Scriptures. Simon was as much at appointment as Jesus. What a privilege. Though I don't think Simon recognized the privilege at first. If a Roman soldier came and put the very tip of his spear on your shoulder or your chest, that meant that you were compelled to do as he bid you. You had to carry his burden for a mile, or you had to do whatever he told you. And that's where Jesus says, hey, don't carry it one, carry it two. It's a good time to witness. And they had absolute authority over people. I mean, what a privilege. But he didn't know it at the time. Just like you and I, the privileges that God gives to us, the privileges that we have in life, and sometimes we are so blind to the privileges and we discard them, we, we, we despise them, we just look down upon them. We say, oh man, if only, or why not? Or, and God says, you don't understand. But trust me, I know what I'm doing. Notice also the wrath of Rome was to instill fear in the hearts of the people. Rome would take and march the criminal from the place of sentence and scourging. He would have to bear his own cross, and if he was too weak, then they would get someone to bear his cross as they did here. But they would always take him the longest way around so that everybody around would see him scourged, his flesh torn, Ligaments exposed, lungs exposed, his face battered, so that it would instill fear in the people who would dare to lift their hand against Rome. Very effective. Jesus took all the pain for you and me. Who was he? The Son of God. What was he? He was holy. He took every bit of pain 
Ratherom. There are men who have gained great power through the ages. Hitler, Mussolini. And terror thus strike the heart of men when someone has unlimited power to do as they will, to who they will. But the Bible tells us that the fear of man brings a snare. Whenever we live under the fear of man rather than the fear of God, we become crippled, useless, timid, compromising, deluded, despondent, discouraged. We need to fear God, not man. Verses 38 through 44 gives us the wrath of man. Notice first the robbers are crucified with Jesus and they revile him. Verse 38, the two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Verse 44 says, even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Luke 23, 39 through 43 tells us that one of the robbers there repented. But at first they joined in and they were just blaspheming and reviling Jesus. And as time went on, one of them turned to the other and says, Do you not fear God? You and I, we are worthy of this penalty. We have committed crimes worthy of the cross. But this man, he has done nothing deserving of this. He turned to Jesus and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, Today, you will be with me in paradise. You talk about making it by the skin of your teeth. <laughs> this period of time was from 9 in the morning to 12, the other Gospels tell us. The wrath of man, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. The second group was the people blasphemed and mocked Jesus, verses 39 through 40. They did it by their gestures. Verse 39, those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads. You who destroyed the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Not knowing who they spoke to. Not recognizing who he was. Awesome words. Sometimes we don't know what we say. We don't know who we're talking to. And we say things that are so foolish. James speaks about the tongue. We need to think before we talk. We need to engage our brain and think it through. We need to talk to God before we talk to man. The religious rulers joined in, verses 41 through 43. Likewise, the priests, the chief priests, they also mocked the scribes and the elders. Verse 42, he saved others. Himself, he cannot save. If he is king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. Notice first in verse 42, they did know the accuracy of their statement. That's exactly why he couldn't come down, because he was saving others. If he would have come down, nobody would have been saved. But that's exactly why he couldn't come down. But he couldn't because he wouldn't, not because he didn't have the ability. He couldn't because if he did, the plan of redemption and salvation would have been ineffective. He trusted in God. 
Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Don't tell me they didn't know that he said he was the Son of God. That's why they crucified him. People say, well, Jesus never said he was the Son of God. You better read the Gospels again. Very, very clearly. Notice they denied that he was the Son of God, verse 43. Very clearly, they knew. Through the Gospels, John 1.1, 1, 1, John 14, 1.14 speaks he became flesh. Uh, Colossians 1.16, he is the image of the invisible God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, he is the full infulgence, the very image of God. Uh, you, you've, you've arrived to Jesus, you've arrived to God, and you can't get any closer. He is the epitome of godliness in God. And so... We've seen the wrath of Rome. We've seen the wrath of man. It's vicious, isn't it? Verses 45 through 56 gives us the wrath of God. Now, the wrath of Rome is pretty intimidating. The wrath of man is pretty shocking at times. But if you're going to fear any wrath, let me suggest that you fear the wrath of God. Mark it well as we move through it. The period of God's wrath was from 12 noon to 3 p.m., verse 45 tells us. Now from the sixth hour unto the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Men try to explain this away as it being a stormy day or an eclipse. It couldn't be. It was a full moon. Passover. What was going on here was supernatural, not natural. So many people want to explain the Bible away naturally. And yet it's a supernatural book. And those who have tried to eliminate it, they're gone and the Bible's still here. They have failed. Verses 46 through 50, we see the wrath was against sin. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, we see first here that forgiveness caused Jesus' fellowship with the Father. He is quoting Psalm 22, verse 1. If you go down a few verses, he answers his own requests. Why hast thou forsaken me? He says, because thou art holy. You see, God is the epitome of holiness. The heavens are not pure in his sight. His eyes cannot behold evil with condonance or permission. And yet Jesus, who was God and the Son of God, became sin for you that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And therefore God the Father could have nothing to do with the Son for that short time. How can that be? I don't know. I think it's a mystery. We can't understand it completely. But for the first time from all eternity, He is separated not only from the Father, but He has become sin and offense to the Father. Incredible sacrifice. Forgiveness would be possible because of God's holy justice, and it would be satisfied. God didn't just turn his head or ignore sin. God didn't violate his holiness or righteousness. God made an atonement for sin by and through his Son. 2 Corinthians 5.21, 1 John 2 Two, he became the propitiation for our sins, not only for us, but for the whole world. 
The word propitiation goes back to the Hebrew custom and sacrifice ritual of covering, of satisfying the demand of God's wrath for sin. God declared him to be the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world by John the Baptist, John 1, 29. God declared that only blood could redeem sin and redeem man from sin. Way back, Leviticus 17, 11, Hebrews 9, 22, 1 Peter 1, 19, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You cannot pay to have your sins forgiven. You cannot work to have your sins forgiven. You cannot cry enough to have your sins forgiven. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse your sin. And if the blood of Jesus Christ has not been applied to your life, then you're dead in your sins. And the only thing you have looked forward to is the judgment of your sins. You see, you either have to look to Jesus and say, the wrath of God fell upon him for me, and I believe that. Lord, change my life, forgive me. Or to say, I don't believe that, and I'll face God in my own time. It's the only two choices you have, or myself. God's wrath fell on Jesus for me and you. For God laid upon him the iniquity of us all, Isaiah 53, 6 says. Yet in him was no sin, he did not sin. He knew no sin. He was tempted yet without sin. The scriptures tell us. And yet he took the brunt and the penalty and the consequence of sin. You see, forgiveness was to come through the Father. Jesus came to bring us to the Father. Jesus never asked the Father to forgive others any other time. For he had authority to forgive sin. This is the fourth saying on the cross. As we go through the seven saints on the cross, uh, one of them, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Find me another passage in the Gospels where Jesus asked the Father to forgive us our sins apart from that. You'll never find it. Why? Because when Jesus was on earth, it was him who forgave us for sin. But why could he not forgive us for sin now? Why did he ask the Father when he was on the cross? Because he became sin and he could not forgive sin. He divested himself of that position and the Father made that intercession. Awesome. To the paralytic, he says, your sins are forgiven in Matthew 9.2. To the woman who washed his feet with tears and dried them with her hair at Simeon's house, he says, your sins are forgiven, Luke 7.48. But Jesus was now putting aside his divine prerogative of power to forgive sin on earth, Matthew 9, 6 tells us, because he was now being lifted up from the earth as the offering for sin, John 12, 32. He was acting as a substitute and number with the transgressions, Isaiah 53, 12. Can you understand that? I mean, it's amazing. The love that God has for you and for myself and for this world is indescribable. He cries out for Elijah. They mock him. They think that he's delirious or perhaps even serious. And they said, let him alone, verses 47 through 49. Let's see if Elijah will come. To the very last second, they mocked him. Verse 51, the wrath of God. Here is seen now. Jesus, uh, notice Jesus dismisses his spirit. 
And Jesus, when he had cried out again with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. He yielded up his spirit. Father, unto you I commend my spirit. Jesus was not killed. Jesus was not uh, brought to death by man's control. Jesus gave up his life. John 10 tells us I have both power to take it down and to pick it up again. Nobody killed Jesus. You want to blame somebody for the death of Jesus? Blame the Father. Acts 2 says, From the predetermined foreknowledge and counsel of God, God sent forth His Son to be crucified for the world. It was a plan of the Father. Why? Because He loves us. He wanted to redeem us. The wrath of God in verses 51 through 56 was met. Here you have the results of God's wrath being met. He says, And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth quaked, the rocks split, the graves were opened. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Let's look at some of these. God's wrath was met. First, look at the veil, verse 51. It was rent from the top to the bottom. Which way would you rent a veil if you walked into some temple from the bottom to the top? It was to declare that God had rent open that veil so that it could not separate man anymore from the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could go into there. One day a year, the, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and that through many sacrifices and washings. Nobody else could go through. Now God was saying, every man, every woman can come into the Holy of Holies through my Son. The book of Hebrews tells us that, chapter 9, chapter 10 of Hebrews. Read it. It was the veil of His flesh, rent, so you and I can enter in boldly to find grace and help in time of need. No more priests. No more mediators. No more intercessors. You and Jesus, He's the mediator. One mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, Timothy 2.5. No other name given under heaven and earth that we must be saved, Hebrews 4.12. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me, John 14.6. You're kind of stuck if you want to get to God. You have to come through Jesus. So the way to God was made now open. The supernatural phenomena, quakes, rocks split. It wasn't a coincidence. Things were happening. The graves were open. Isaiah 26, 19 speaks, and your dead bodies will live with mine. Can you imagine the graves being open? The bodies of the saints that had fallen asleep were raised. But notice that he says they came out of the grave after his resurrection. And they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, many people try to explain this away. They say, well, you know, this is the only reference we have and uh, Matthew probably here indulged himself a little bit. No, he didn't. How many times does God have to say something for you to believe it? It says they came out of their graves and they walked and many in the city saw them. You talk about having your mind blown. Hey, there's Joe. Didn't he die 10 years ago? <laughs> buying a dozen bagels down there at the corner. God was declaring that the resurrection was not some wishful thinking but it was promised to those who trusted in the Son raised alive walking why? because the wrath of God had been met sin had been put away man had been redeemed heaven had been rent open 
and man could approach God now. Jew, Gentile, Scythian, Barbarian, male, female, bond, slave, all, rich and poor. But notice also the centurion in verse 54, and those with him were guarding Jesus. They saw the earthquake and the things that happened. They feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Mark's gospel records this also, and Mark writes to who? Romans. How fitting that the very first convert would be a Roman, a Gentile, as the veil was rent, as he died and gave up his spirit on the cross, open to all. The women who followed Jesus in Galilee and ministered unto him looked from afar off. Here again you have the women who witnessed the wrath of God for their sake. Quite a feat. The veil alone could have never been ripped by a man, for the fabric was 72 twisted plates and 24 threads of each, 60 feet long, 30 feet wide, a handbreadth, 6 to 18 inches thick. Try to tear that. You see... Whether you like it or not, God has made the way for man to heaven. But it isn't the way man would have made it. He didn't accomplish it by works. He didn't accomplish it through morality or ethics. He didn't accomplish it by joining all kinds of different societies. He did it by sending a son in the likeness of sinful flesh and condemning him as sin and condemning sin in the flesh for you and myself. And so the wrath of God fell upon him. Mary Magdalene was there. He had cast out seven demons. Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and Mary, the mother of the sons of Zebedee. God's wrath, you can't handle it, and neither can I. The fear of man will bring a snare. The fear of God will bring you to yourself. I pray that you aren't ensnared by the wrath of a nation, the wrath of man, but that you look at the wrath of God accurately. Because even though we have seen that the wrath of God has been met, it has been met only for those who trust and give their life to Jesus Christ, those who repent and have their lives changed. Those who reject that sacrifice, the wrath of God is still upon them. And God's wrath will fall upon them if they never repent and they die. Then they will be judged for their sins and God's wrath will fall upon them. It will fall upon you if you don't know Jesus Christ. And death will galvanize, will solidify your eternity, either with God or separated from God. That's all death will do. It will change nothing from what you are now. It will only transfer it into an object of permanency. And so I pray as you look to this text, that you have the fear of God and that you 
to understand clearly what took place at the cross. The wrath of Rome was upon Jesus. The wrath of man was upon Jesus. But most importantly, the wrath of God for you and for me. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about the message of the cross and the way of eternity. And you can request a copy of today's challenging study from Matthew chapter 27 called The Wrath of the Cross. It's available on CD for just $4. And this message will contain what Pastor Xavier shared last time we were together as well. The title to ask for once again is The Wrath of the Cross, or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. Next time, the grave condition of sinful man, given life through a redeeming death. Join Pastor Xavier Reese for more Simple Truths right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com